Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Join us now. Open your heart to what God has to say to you. Ever tasted Big Red chewing gum? Thought of driving a Mazda? Craved for... Oscar Mayer hot dogs, fed your cat meow mix, or remember watching Three Frogs on TV, say, Bud, Wise, Er, maybe even while watching a Super Bowl? If so, you have something in common with Bob Farnsworth. His company, Hummingbird Productions, composed and arranged some of the world's most famous brands. Where did his creativity and success emerge from? Bob will share heart-to-heart with you about his relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ who loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. He shed his blood on the cross to wash your sins away. He was buried. And yes, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and the living Christ who has touched the heart of Bob Farnsworth, I believe he will touch your heart today. I'm speaking by faith. Bob's, Bob Farnsworth is the owner and CEO of Hummingbird Productions. He established Hummingbird Productions in 1976. It's now one of the longest standing film and music ad production companies in America. He's a native of Greenville, South Carolina, graduated from Furman University, with a degree in English. He now lives in Nashville with his wife, Bob and Mary Barrett. They have five children. This is a pre-recorded interview with Bob Farnsworth. So sit back, take in. Oh, he's dynamic. Take in what the Lord has to share with you. Bob, hey, welcome to our show. Hello, sweet sister. Was that you on the introduction of the show as well? No. No, that I wish I could say it was, but no, that was not me, and I only got half of my aloha in, but there's the rest. Well, you, you have a great voice for this. Thank you. <laughs> really nice to hear. Thank I'm you. honored to be with you guys today. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a town called Greenville, South Carolina, and I grew up on a farm for the first part of my life, and maybe I can tell you all a funny story about that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. As, oh, you want it now? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Well, uh, I, I was born on a farm, and uh, our home overlooked a giant cornfield. There were six boys, no girls. I was number five of six. And uh, my brothers, because we looked out on a cornfield, and my name was Bob, my brothers called me Bob Corncob. And so... All my life, I heard Bob Corncob, Bob Corncob. So one day, we were at the drive-in theater, and 
at the halftime, uh, we went up to the the candy stand where in those days the drive-in theater that was also the little brick house where they housed the camera set up, and they would have they would have two big reels, and at the halftime they would change reels uh, after the intermission. The intermission people would come up there and buy snacks. So our family of eight there with mom and dad and six boys, we piled out of the little the the, the Nash car. <laughs> Uh, and went up to get a snack, and I saw that guy changing the reel on that film, and I was utterly fascinated. So I just sort of, like a magnet, was drawn into this room, and uh, he had left the door cracked, so I kind of went in there. And when he was done, he came out, and I sort of followed him out, and everybody had already gone because they had gotten their, uh, their Coke and whatever. And my family went back with six boys, you know, <laughs> to really keep counting to make sure they, they're all there. So when they were gone, I started crying, and the guy says, oh, son, what's wrong? And I said, what do you think about wrong? I'm lost. No, I'm kidding. I was four years old. Uh, so, I, so I said, I'm lost. I'm lost. And my mom and my daddy left me. And the guy says, oh, it's okay, son. Don't worry. I'm sure we can find your mom and dad. Um so what's your name? And I said, Bob. And he said, what's your last name? And he said, I said, Corton Cobb. <laughs> so the next minute, my parents, the movie has already started, and the announcer says, excuse me, we need to interrupt this movie. <laughs> Would Mr. and Mrs. Corn Cobb please come get your son? <laughs> so I actually used that. Of course, we're in the, in the uh, commercials world. We're always thinking about branding. And so when I make talks, I'll say to somebody, look, you may not remember uh, what company I'm from, but I'll guarantee you I'm going to tell you a story that will make you remember that Bob Corncob came and talked with you all. <laughs> that didn't end it? The kids didn't stop calling you that after that announcement? No, no, no. They they continue. It's, oh, this day, my brother David, hey, Corncob, what's going up? <laughs> Corn, what's up, brother? You know, they, they still call me Corn Cob. So it's fun. We've had a great time with that all oh my, my life. Oh, gosh. And you know how with your family, it doesn't matter what you do, uh, you still got that pecking order, and I'm number five of those six, and I will always be number five of those six, and I know my place in the family. <laughs> I think that's probably part of uh, the reason for your success. Uh-oh. You know, uh, uh, the Lord exalts the humble. Uh, amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> Certainly, our families have a way of keeping our feet on the ground, huh? They, they really do. And, you know, when you think about actors and actresses and stuff like that, and uh, we people tend to idolize their lives and stuff, well, they have their little moment in the sun on that movie, but then they go home and they have arguments with their husband and, or wife, and they've got to they've got to do things just like everybody else. They've got to put their pants on the same way. So the bottom line uh, somebody somebody gave me um, a statistic just the other day, and they said once you get, I think uh, when they did the research on this, the the, the number was like 30,000, and I'm sure it's more than that now probably. But in America, once somebody is making more than $30,000, that the happiness factor is pretty much equal to somebody that has a billion dollars. So, mm. Meaning that once your basic needs are met, you know, if you're, if you're not starving and you could go to the doctor and get medical attention, whatever, once your basic needs are met, 
uh, material has very little to do with your happiness after that. So if you don't have the Lord in your life, uh, you're you're just trying to fill a hole. <laughs> it's not going to be filled with money. Mm-hmm. Or how, did, how did you become a Christian? Well, I on that farm, I was not a good kid, and um, uh, I, I was profane. Uh, I when when I was a young little fella, I, I enjoyed sneaking into people's houses and stealing things. And I was on my way to reform school. My parents knew none of this was going on, and I think they thought I was a reasonably good guy. Um, but I was essentially on my way to reform school. I don't know if y'all use that term, but that was like uh, a, a place where they would take young boys and and pull you out of society. And I, I was hanging out with some friends that, that in another neighborhood that actually were, you know, had been to reform school. And and I used the Lord's name in vain, uh, just dramatically. And one day, I was in the back of our house and. Uh, the lady who worked in our home, Annie Mae Brooks, who was like a second mother to us, uh, had left a Bible open to seek and ye shall find. Mm. And when I read that, I thought to myself, either that's true and it's not true. And if Annie Mae wants me to think it's true, I'm going to consider this. So I said to God, if you're there, then I- I'm going to seek. And if you're there, I'll, you- you're telling me I'll find you. And if you're not, I'm just going to say that this is not true. And so for I was uh, 13 years old at the time, and I started reading the Bible three chapters a day. And eight months later, I was sitting in my room and looking out on the stars. And I had this sense, not that the stars did speak to me, but I had this sense that they're speaking to me, asking the question, do you really think do you really think we made ourselves? And I said to the stars, probably audibly, no, I don't think you made yourself. And then it was almost as of a voice coming from behind the stars that I sent saying, I'm glad you understand that because I made those stars. And since I made those stars, do you think you should serve me? And I said, Absolutely. Hmm. How and old were you at that time? I was, 13, I was 14 by then, because okay. I was 13 when I read the Scripture. Eight months later, I was 14. Uh, and interestingly enough, Billy Graham came to town shortly after that, and I made a public profession. And so from that point on, uh, I knew what I wanted. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, people are a little bit like sheep. If somebody knows where they're going... It's amazing where people will just follow after that. It's a familiar verse, well, maybe familiar to you, uh, Matthew 7, 7. Something that uh, uh, some people hear when they grow up in church or have heard recently, where Jesus says, Seek and you shall find. Well, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Annie May set out the Bible and uh, left it there so God could use it to touch the heart of Bob, and it surely did. Bob did seek, and God spoke to him, reached out to him. Are you seeking today? When we come back from our break, we're going to hear 
as the Lord ministered to Bob Farnsworth, who sought after him, looking up at the stars. And, well, have you asked yourself the question, who made the stars? And, uh, or who made me, that is you and me? Well, God made us. Of course, science has explanations. They are our theories. But who even gave the capacity for scientists to think the thoughts that they think? Where do you start? How did it all begin? Did God set it all in motion? Who set God in motion? Well, there had to be a beginning. And if it's God, well, we've got to respond to God. More with Bob Farnsworth when we come back. Stay with us. Aimlessly beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Bob Farnsworth is the owner and CEO of Hummingbird Productions. You can find out more at hummingbirdproductions.com. You can tell he's a dynamic man, full of life, uh, vivacious. Bob Farnsworth sharing heart to heart with us. Well, he was telling us before the break about how he, well, how God spoke to him through a scripture passage where Jesus says, Seek and you shall find. And he told a story about the stars and how he felt even the stars speaking to him. And, of course, God spoke to him while up on his roof about who made the stars and, and who, who, who made you, who made me, who is the creator of all things. The Good Life Radio Show here. Danny Yamashiro, Suzanne Marr, my co-host. It's a pre-recorded interview that we had with Bob Farnsworth. You can get this program in its entirety. It's a gift to you. Go to thegoodlifehawaii.com, and I would say share it with a family member or friend. And now here's more with our friend, Bob Farnsworth. Uh, And interestingly enough, Billy Graham came to town shortly after that, and I made a public profession. And so from that point on, uh, I knew what I wanted. And uh, it's amazing 
uh, people are a little bit like sheep. If somebody knows where they're going, it's amazing where people will just follow after that. And from that point, I knew what I wanted. I could not care less about people would say, Farnsworth, are you drunk? You know, everybody, that was the popular thing to drink. You know? And I would go, no, I'm just happy in the Lord, you know. <laughs> Because they thought there's no way you could be this happy unless you were on some kind of drug or alcohol or something like that. Bob, did your family go to church? Were you a church-attending family? We went to a, a Presbyterian church, the USA, mm-hmm. um, and this was back before the Presbyterian Church USA um, sort of went on its own route as far as its uh, very liberal stance on Scripture. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I feel like I got a good background. We went to church, but it was kind of like you just—it was a cultural thing more than it was. Um, man, we've got to be at church because we're starved to hear the word of God. You know, it was. It was, uh, and I, I would say maybe that was the way I certainly felt about it. Um, but there were some godly people there, and I knew there was something different about their lives. And uh, in my high school uh, life, some of those people made a gigantic difference uh, as far as guidance in my life at my church. How did you meet Mary? Uh, Mary Barrett and I, uh, I I had a wife earlier, and her name was Meryl, and um, she left me 20 years ago. And um, I was at church one day, and I had, I actually, my wife, when her husband left her, the joke is her friends were telling her, Mary Barrett, please do not go into the wrong places looking for love. You know, even you know your heart's broken. Um, and so Mary Barrett had been going to church, but then she, she said, well, what am I supposed to do, meet him on the church pew or something? <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because I, I had been going, we had been going to the same church. I had never seen her. She had been there six years, and I had never seen her at our church. But at the appropriate time, um, I saw her, and we're sitting next to each other uh, on the pew at church. And uh, so she says to me, so tell me what you're all about in the next 60 seconds before the service starts. And I thought, uh, okay. And so then I started wanting to make a good impression, so I started talking about the music business. And, I mean, 15 seconds into it, I wanted to throw up on myself, like, that's not what you're all about. Why are you doing this? And by the time I was like, you know what, I take it all back, forget everything I've said, the the service started, right? So I thought, okay, well, I guess I've blown this one. And then the sermon was on Jesus healing the blind man. And the point he was making uh, is that if we have been shown Christ by mercy and grace, that we were, and he was, he was using the analogy of the blind people that were given, he was given his sight. He said, if we were given our sight spiritually, why would we ever look down on somebody else who is still blind? Would we not, if, if we came back the next day and there are still uh, walking around blind, would we criticize them for not being able to see? 
because they would be saying, wait a minute, didn't somebody give you your site yesterday? Say, well, yeah, well, then why would you be fussing at us and, and making fun of us because we're still blind? And so he made that point very dramatically like that. And so I was very moved, and we sang Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see, right? And so after the service was over, I looked at Mary Barrett, and I said, um, could we start all over? And she says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you asked me what I'm all about, and I gave you that malarkey about the music business. That, that's not what I'm all about. And I pointed up to the pulpit, and I said, that's what I'm all about. I was blind, but now I see. And then her, it, and not my eyes were already had tears in them, and her eyes just flushed with tears. And she said, that's what I'm all about. I was blind, but now I see. And that was where that relationship started. Oh, gosh, thanks, Bob. Now tell me, how did your career develop? I wanted to be a missionary up the Amazon River when I was in college. And I had this great vision that I was going to, um, I I was going to um, be a missionary to the Indians up the Amazon River. And uh, they would also build a big printing press that would print materials this was back in the God is Dead era, back in the mm-hmm. uh, mid-70s. And I was believing that what was going on in the world, I mean, I had friends who would say, oh, Jesus was just a mythological character. I'm like, you must be kidding me. Uh, so it would be very concerning to me that they would bury the amazing documents that validate the historicity of the existence of Jesus Christ. Not only the existence, but the accuracy of so many of the events that people that weren't even in the Bible, uh, Roman historians, uh, would talk about this man Jesus and the crucifixion and things like that. So I was very concerned that those documents, in the effort to like sort of, sort of bury the validity of, of Christ, that I wanted to get hold of early documents, print them by the millions, and disseminate them all, all around the world. So that was my vision. So I came to Nashville after college to be a recording musician because I thought that would be the way I could raise the money to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got here, we had a major recording deal with ABC Records, like in two weeks, and we didn't think it was any big deal. We just thought I, I, I came with my partner Mike Hudson, who was a brilliant writer, and um, we just figured, well, that's just what God's doing. We didn't really think any big deal of it. We were supposed to be the next Simon and Garfunkel. And when the record came out, it was exactly when disco came out. So despite uh, good review and that sort of stuff in the trade, um, uh, we, we joke around about that album. It was called From Night to Day by Hudson Farnsworth. And we joke around about that album. So it started off kind of slow. But it tapered off from there. <laughs> oh gosh! Now tell us the story of Hummingbird Productions. Okay. So um, I was gonna... when we come back, <clears throat> Bob Farnsworth will talk about the start of Hummingbird Productions. You know, sometimes we 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 pull the trigger on a on a on a plan on an idea. <clears throat> we make an effort and. Uh, things seem to fizzle out. Uh, they're not what we expected, not what we anticipated. And there may be a sense of uh, disappointment and gloom, maybe more than we would have hoped. 
but it's not the end. And maybe today you have faced a point of uh, challenge. Maybe you're morose and experiencing your own feelings of uh, even depression. Even depression. But it's not the end. And when we come back from our break, you'll hear what uh, Bob Farnsworth has experienced and how a, a new beginning took place in his life and his career. Isn't it amazing how you hear about relationships like uh, Mary Barrett and how they met? Uh, both had lost their spouses, I mean, lost meaning their spouses uh, left them. But uh, in God's time, they found one another. I don't know about you, but perhaps your heart, and God knows, He knows very well, your heart may be broken right now. You may feel a void, a gaping hole. It might even cause a physical pain. But this is not the end. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Yes, my friend, even for you, even now. Stay with us. We'll be back with more from Bob Farnsworth. Wandering the road of desperate life Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE, and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Bob was featured as an icon in the advertising industry on NBC's Today Show. I also showcased some of Hummingbird's well-known work. Before our break, Bob was explaining how he and a partner of his produced something very special, at least special to them, but it fizzled when it hit the market. Uh, Suzanne Maurer asked, well, how did Hummingbird's productions start? And uh, that's where we're going to take take up from here. Uh, you can find out more about Bob at hummingbirdproductions.com. And this program and other resources available for you at thegoodlifehawaii.com. Now, here's more in our pre-recorded session, our time together with Bob Farnsworth. 
we, we joke around about that album. It was called From Night to Day by Hudson Farnsworth. And we joke around about that album. So it started off kind of slow, but it tapered off from there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now tell us the story of Hummingbird Productions. Okay. So um, I was going to go back to Greenville, South Carolina at that point. And then my landlord, one night, he was drunk out of his mind, and I told him that I was going to go back to Greenville and sell life insurance for my dad, and I knew it would take longer to build, make the money for the mission, but that's what my plan was. And he says, Bobby Lynch, hey, buddy, you're going to go back down out of Greenville, South Carolina, and you're going to sell life insurance for your daddy, and a couple of years later, you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to go, what the hell am I doing down here selling life insurance? And you're going to come right back here to Nashville, and you're going to start all over, Bobby. And you got a good little thing going here. You got your album. You got a lot of friends. You need to stay up here. And that drunk landlord made enough sense to me that I said, okay, well, maybe I should stay. And I met this guy at church who was doing commercials. And I uh, said, look, I'll, I think I can sell these things for you. And ended up selling them and writing them. And long story short on that, um, I was getting ready to get married at the time, and I needed a decent income, so I ended up doing it on my own. And uh, that that's basically why I got started in it. I didn't even know what I was doing. The first thing some commercial uh, I was ever involved with, uh, somebody said, hey, did you, uh, I heard you wrote the jingle for Opryland. I said, no, no, we didn't. We did, we, said, we did the music for their commercial. And the guy said, are you kidding? That's what a jingle is. Oh. <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I don't know if I said jingle. He said, I, I heard you wrote the, y'all, y'all wrote, my friends and I, wrote the, the jingle for, for Opryland. And I said, well, no, our company, uh, we just did the music for it. And they were laughing at me. Don't you even know what industry you're in? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I saw nothing I knew about the industry. Huh. And that was in 1970? Um, that was 75. 75. And then I actually started Hummingbird. Um, and the actual first commercial that I ever did was for Granny Loomis Country South. Oh, wait, this is a ukulele around here. Um, oh, but you're not in Honolulu. How can you do that? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> So, so I, this is interesting. I'm glad I was in the studio because otherwise I would there would not have been a ukulele anywhere else. But um, so I, the the commercial was for Granny Loomis Country Sausage, and uh, the guy said, "I've got three weeks to get on the air, and all I need is to be different. Be different. That's all I care about. It's just got to be different." I said, "Well, okay. Well, I think we can we can do that." So two weeks later, now he's got one week left to go on the air. I came back with this ridiculous radio drama, and it started out with a girl brushing her teeth, you know, like a <laughs> sound effect, and then um, the late the Granny Loomis comes in, and she says, why, what are you doing there, young lady? And she says, well, hey there, Granny Loomis. I'm just sitting here brushing my tooth. She says, well, why should you brush that tooth when you could carry around the flavor of Granny Loomis country sausage all day long? She said, well... Randy, my husband, he says he don't like that too much. And then the door slams and the husband comes in. He says, 
what are you talking about, our old lady? Honey, you go right on ahead and you brush that tooth. And then, of course, this upsets Granny Loomis greatly. So she starts throwing dishes and breaking stuff, uh, screaming at him. And she says, why, you uncaring, unfaithful beast? I ought to chop you up in my sausage and feed you to the pigs. And then for no reason um, that I can remember, <laughs> no fair reason, a Louis Armstrong kind of voice came in. <laughs> yeah. So and and then the voice comes in and says, "You can brush that tooth, but what a waste! Brush away that Granny Luma's country sausage taste. But if you insist on having that sex appeal, you'll have to brush your teeth before your Granny Luma's meal." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I take it into this guy, and this is back in the real-to-real days, and uh, when I was playing it, it was okay, because I think he thought, well, I, I had a, another one on the back. This was just a joke, and I would have the real commercial after this was over. <clears throat> but then as he saw that tape turning, and it got almost to the end, and he saw I didn't have any other boxes in my hand, his eyes got really big, and then it flopped off. This is back in the real-to-real days, right? And he said, is that it? I said, yes, different, isn't it? He said, you mean to taste that screaming at me? You mean to tell me you're going to chop some guy up in the sausage and feed him to the pigs? <laughs> and you expect me to air that? And I said, well, well, you have a partner, don't you? Maybe you'll want to hear it. He said, son, do you ever want to work with this agency? And I said, of course I do. He said, well, you do not want me to play that for my partner. So that was my first <laughs> experience. <laughs> We're actually writing one myself and trying to go sell it. Uh, but the next, so we learned a big lesson. You can be different, and that's important, really important, but you have to do it within parameters. And then the very next uh, spot we did was for Marshall Farms Chicken, and uh, we did crazy different, but we followed the rules, so to speak, and that ended up winning all kind of awards, and we were sort of on our way at that point. <laughs> wow. Kind of a wacko story, but I know that's a little bit long. Am I am I talking too much here? Bob, what is fusic? Oh, fusic is a term that we came up with. Through the years, we found that we were winning most of our awards um, with people who took sound very seriously. And so we ended up um, getting with the directors that always uh, took the the music very seriously in their film. And I said, guys, we would like to start approaching film uh, in a way that you guys are already approaching it, and we would like to know if you'd like to be on our team doing what we're calling music, which is the fusion of film and music. And uh, the process would be you don't do the film and then slap the music on at the end or even post-score the music on the end. You do the film from the very concept you're thinking about sound so that you're constantly fusing sound with the film. And, and we're using, you know, when we say music, we're really thinking the sound effects, the sound design, even the voiceover or even the voices because that you're building sound around those voices. So what you, you you either see something or you hear something. Uh, those are the two senses that we are dealing with. 
And if you get the sound wrong, I don't care how great your pictures are, if they're not feeling the right way about those pictures and that, and that sound causes them to misinterpret those pictures, you could potentially ruin your film. And people do it all the time. They'll do a really expensive um, uh, job on a film, and then they'll put sound with it, and the sound will be less than, uh, than stellar, and it ruins the whole film. So we call the fusion of that process of all along thinking music and film, film and music, constantly going back and forth in your head and in reality. That, that process we call fusing. Bob, I've watched many, many TED Talks, but I was mesmerized by yours. Oh, wow. Hearing Thank is believing. I was compelled, brother. Oh, man, that's so... Thank you so much for saying that, Danny. Give us a sample of your intro. Uh, All those different accents you gave. That just drew me in. Well, you're going to want to stick around for that. It was uh, compelling. It was mesmerizing. Bob Farnsworth, yeah, I watched his TED Talk, and so have have thousands of others watched it. And... uh, well, I told you about his those famous commercials, and some of them still air today. He, he, you could just tell he oozes with the genius of creativity or the, the creativity of genius, however you want to put it. But it comes out so naturally, so fluid, fluidly. And, and, and God, he acknowledges that God is the giver of these gifts. God is the giver of these opportunities. Remember I said that even when things began to fizzle out, remember his earlier production, and then that drunken man reminds him, hey, don't leave, stick around there in Nashville, and and you've got a network of friends. You've, you've got something going on. Don't leave too quickly. Maybe that's a message for us today about remembering what we have. We have that that inner inkling. Sometimes it's a dissatisfaction because it's not perfect, exactly what we're hoping for. And so we opt out when we forget that there is so much pointing in the right direction. We just need to stay with it. Well, that's an inspirational message. When we come back from our break, more from Bob Farnsworth. It's called perseverance. Uh, The Lord, our God, talks about that. Uh, And, of course, perseverance comes in times when things are not easy. Things are challenging, difficult, overwhelming. Perhaps we need to slow down. Maybe we need to take a break. That could be a solution temporarily regain some energy sleep well eat well exercise have good fellowship those things the basic things remember as a follower of christ your time alone with the lord recharge those batteries when we come back more from bob Farnsworth. you don't want to miss this stay with us the road of desperate life aimlessly beneath the barren sky leave it to me What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here. 
Rebecca Manley Pippert wrote in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously, getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Our guest today, Hummingbird Productions. That's how you can find out. You can watch some of those commercials. I mean, they make you laugh and bring back memories and also excite you with the ingenuity. Yes, the innovation, that uh, the, the creative gifts that the Lord has given Bob and his team, Hummingbird Productions. His client roster has featured major corporations like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Ford, Kellogg's, Budweiser, Purina, and Oscar Mayer. Before our break, I was Bob was talking about a TED Talk. Well, I had brought that up for him, uh, a TED Talk that he had given. I asked him to do something. Well, uh, let's not hesitate anymore. Um, here, here, let's listen to what Bob Farnsworth did. Bob, I've watched many, many TED Talks, but I was mesmerized by yours. Oh, wow. Hearing is believing. I was compelled, brother. Oh, man, that's so... Thank you so much for saying that, Danny. Give us a sample of your intro. Uh, All those different accents you gave, that just drew me in. It's been a long time, but... uh, Okay, so I came in... um, I know I I won't get this quite right, but... So uh, these people, of course, have never seen me from Adam. I walk out on the stage... And I said, um, and I am so grateful to be here today sharing a few thoughts with you. And, and, you know, actually, it's, it's a tremendous privilege to be here. I, I mean, I think it's fantastic. The people here have been fantastic. I've been treated quite well. And, uh, you know, but it is the thing. It is, it is the people. That is the thing. It is the people. We can do this little dead dog thing, you know, but it is the people. That is the thing. And if I think I come all the way out here to Colorado and I don't think and nobody's learning nothing from what I'm talking about, that's just going to make me feel like, what in the world did I even come out here for? Now, of course, I am messing with you people. I'm messing with you. Uh, but I want you to notice something, that uh, your feelings about this person that you're seeing that you've never seen before, I am bouncing you all over the place. 
With one person, you might like his person. You might like who that person is. Another guy, the radio disc jockey guy, you probably don't like. <laughs> he sounds kind of cocky. Uh, but your feelings are going all around the place, and nothing has changed except the sound of my voice. The picture hasn't changed. My face, you're looking at me. I'm, nothing's changed. But your feelings about me are going all over the place just based on the sound of my voice. And then I took it from there. Mm. I, I, well, you mentioned it just a while ago, and as far as I can recall, I think that was spot on. <laughs> that was spot on, brother. As, as a way to demonstrate how important the sound is, you well, mean? Well, no, even, even it, it seems exactly the same as when I, when I watched your TED Talk. Oh, 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 you mean what I did? Yeah, what you just did. <laughs> you, you recalled it uh, Perfectly. Uh, well, it's it's the basic idea, um, well, but yeah, the, it was a little longer because the, you don't have eight minutes to do that TED talk, or they pull you off the stage. <laughs> the the thing is, um, hearing is believing. You you talked about it with uh, your your concept where you coined the new word fusic. But when you ended, you talked about uh, the music that people hear when the audience, as an individual listening, right? You says, what do people hear when you walk in the room? Uh, what did you mean by that? Uh, well, uh, people carry a certain aura about them. And I was just using music as a metaphor to say that when you walk into a room, uh, you have a certain music about you. And I said, for me, when I walk in a room, I want that music to be love. I want people to feel loved. Uh, I want it to feel, yeah, I said I don't want to be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And, of course, that was code for Christians probably to say, uh, in case you wonder, uh, I, there's a good chance I might be a believer since I'm, I'm using this example and I'm quoting Scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Good possibility. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, I even had somebody that came up to me after uh, after a talk and said, hey, uh, I know where you're coming from. Thank you for sharing that scripture. But it's heartfelt. It's, it, it's heartfelt mm -hmm. to say that I don't want to be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, which is what we are if we do not have love. So when you when you walk in a room, I mean, think about it, Danny. You, you walk in a room and you're in a bad mood. And and people pick up that music, so to speak. Hey, Mary Barrett, can you grab that song? Um, and, and sort of puts a damper in the room. Or would you rather walk into the room and people feel like, oh, man, Danny just walked in the room. Suzanne's here now. Everything's going to be better. And mm -hmm. that's the music we want people to uh, to feel like is playing when we walk in the room. And... I, for me, the way that will be the case, and I even had a situation right before you all called uh, where it was something I, I was having to con confront something. It's like, you know, this can be bad news, or I can deliver this news with, in, the, in the spirit of the Lord. And uh, it can still be beautiful music, even if it's not, uh, even if it's not happy news, that we can carry... Uh, with the language of love, uh, that if we're carrying that music into the room, 
then people would kind of go, boy, I'm sure glad Danny showed up. Mm-hmm. Well, that, Suzanne, that TED Talk included included Bob playing the piano in dramatic fashion. It had a, a PowerPoint presentation that just went, everything was synchronized just uh, perfectly. And I, 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 I just wonder how long your standing ovation went. <laughs> well, they did appreciate, they really appreciated that last line uh, when I asked, the last thing I said, so um, uh, I'm asking myself sincerely and I ask you all, uh, what kind of music do people hear when you come into the room? Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the speech. And I said, thank you. And and that, that line... Um, Really, I think maybe, and I've had a lot of people say since I've really thought about that, and I want, I want my music to be beautiful, and it can be. It's just like no matter what, you, you take that scripture, count it all joy, my brother, mm-hmm. and various trials and temptations overtake you. Um, knowing this, that the trying of our faith works patience. You go well. So wait a minute. Are you serious? Are you serious, Paul? That we're supposed to count it joy? when we fall into various temptations. Well, if we know that, number one, we win, uh, you know, God has got us in his hand, we will be with him in eternity. We can't lose. So from that place right there, and then if our trials drive us to our knees and drive us to cling to Jesus, aren't those our best moments in life? Do, do, Do we, when we look back, somebody said the other day, in a sermon I heard, they said, when you look back in life, um, do you really look back as far as the things that formed your life and, and made you <clears throat> who you are? Would you say those are marked by moments of happiness, or would you say those are marked with moments of sorrow? And, of course, certain happy moments mark things, but a lot of times the things that form who we are are, are based in things that were difficult to deal with. And we grew from those things. I even think about somebody who is in high school, and maybe they're not the, the, the cheerleader, and maybe they're not the football team or whatever, and they, you know, if they're overweight or something like that, and they have to deal with all these things at an early age. They, they learn what it is to grieve and to adjust, but life goes on. So often those people are just some of the sweetest people in the world later on in life because usually things get better for them, whereas the guy, my brother Steve, he was a big football hero at the University of Georgia, and he married the homecoming queen. And uh, when he got out into into the world after that, where do you go from there? So he really struggled to adjust. So God can use those things in a mighty way to struggle. Well, what kind of music do you think Bob Farnsworth brings when he comes into a room? And I think it resonates with us today where we're being reminded of the kind of music. Is there a sweet sound? Is there a sound of hope? Is there a sound of, 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 of optimism? As I believe believers ought to be in Christ, the resurrected one. What kind of music do you bring in to a room? Are you aware that, yes, you, Suzanne, 
myself, we can change the atmosphere. It's been good with Bob Farnsworth, and I'm glad that he was with us. Encouragement from Bob Farnsworth, hummingbirdproductions.com. Dear friend, God's timing is perfect. There's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, I believe this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Bob Farnsworth, hummingbirdproductions.com. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember... The Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.